Welcome to The Jesus Follower, a podcast about helping ordinary people be close to an extraordinary God. The goal? To help you experience the life you were designed to live in the good times, tough times, and in the moments that nobody else sees. I wanted to just kind of start this morning with a question for the kids and the youth, um, because I think it's a pretty valid question. So if you're a kid, if you're uh, 18 years of age or younger, raise your hand real loud. Don't be ashamed of it. Okay. Yeah. Don't be ashamed. Kimmy, don't be ashamed. I see it low. There you go. Yeah. All the way up. Thank you. Dave Smith has tried to include himself in the group. Uh, Dave Enzers too. All right. So. All right, so let me let me ask you this question. So I know I know some of you um, uh, may be younger than others, but has there ever been a time where you thought, and Amaya, this coming to you too? You see me right here? Did you raise your hand? Okay, I didn't see. Sorry. Has there ever been a time? Raise your hand again, real loud and proud. Don't be ashamed. If you ever felt like your parents or guardians were crazy. <laughs> All right, let's see. All right, I see some, a lot of hands, even, even not 18 and young. Okay, yeah, so Esther uh, has two hands up. I don't know what that means, Tiffany and Zab, but, but two hands. Uh, all right, so we got a lot of hands up here, and, and it's really not just limited to children. All right, so we're, we're all kind of uh, on that page where there, there was a point in time where we felt like our parents or guardians were crazy. Um, and so I would, I would raise my hand as well, and I would say this same thing. And uh, yesterday was actually my mother's birthday. I can't, I thought about sharing the age, but then I thought uh, otherwise, that's probably not wise in case she watches. Uh, she may not appreciate that. So I won't do, I won't go there. But yesterday was her birthday. And I remember, you know, growing up, I was blessed with such good and godly parents. And I had a, a FaceTime call with her yesterday and, and I got off the phone. And I was just thinking, what a blessing to have such godly parents. But you know, when I was growing up in that environment, I didn't always think that was the case. There were many times when I was growing up, even though I had an incredible amount of love in my household and an incredible amount of godliness in my household, there were multiple times where I thought that my parents were crazy. And, and so in big town, Russell Springs, Kentucky, we had limited amount of things to do on a weekend. But from the time I entered into middle school, what quickly began to happen was all my friends began to go do those few things that we were able to do. And one of those things, we had a movie theater in Russell Springs, Kentucky. All right. Yeah. It had two whole places you could go in one side or the other and pick between two movies which movie you wanted to watch. That's big time, right? Small Russell Springs. And what we could do is it wasn't limited to the movie. You could then go out and hang out, right? And chat. And it was, you know, hang with your friends. And it was kind of a big deal. Huh? In the parking lot, yeah, they wouldn't let you loiter too long in the, uh, so you had to go to the parking lot, but nonetheless, you could still, uh, so it was a big deal to get to do that. And I remember multiple times, my parents were so strict. Did anybody have really strict parents in here? Yeah, okay, I see Miss Pat saying, some of the kids are raising their hand, should she, yeah, I feel your pain, man, I had them too, okay. So really, really strict parents. And, uh, and so my parents, even though all my friends got to go do, uh, hang out at the movies as, as middle schoolers and, and go do these things, you know, I would always get one answer. No, right? So I would be really excited because all my friends were saying, hey, we're going to go up. Hey, Dad, you want to come with us? I was like, yeah, that sounds awesome. I don't think we have anything to do. I'll go home and ask mom and dad. And so I'd go home and ask mom and dad, and I know they had to see the excitement in, in my face when I asked them, only to see the crushing blow that came upon my face when they said, no, time and time again. And my parents watch. I love you very much. I know. Uh, uh, I know. But it was a crushing blow because it was a no so often. And I would get so mad. The first couple no's, you know, I would still keep, because I'm an extreme optimist at heart. And I was like, someday it's going to change. Someday. But it just carried on and on and on. Crushing blow after crushing blow. Until sometimes I decided, you know what? I'm done. This is like a prison. I'm going to leave. 
And so I remember one of those times in particular, and I probably told this story before, but I packed my bags. I had some suitcases and I, I told dad, mom and dad, I said, you know what? I'm done. I'm late. I don't remember how old I was. I'm walking out and dad said, all right, we'll see you later. I thought, you know, I thought I was going to stick it to him, but it didn't really work. And so I got, I got basically to the road where our driveway connected to. I didn't get very far. And I was coming around the, just barely out there. And I remember stopping in just that moment. I don't remember. I had to be probably 15 years old, something like that. And I stopped in that moment and everything started flooding into my life. Like, what am I going to do for food? I don't have money. Where am I going to stay? These suitcases are going to get heavy. I had all the, like, all of us in that, mo- like, I, I, I really didn't even make it to any main road, and I quickly turned around and came back, and that was the end of that. I never offered to run away again, really. I, I, you know, prison wasn't so bad anymore. It was, uh, you know, I have food, you love me, and that means the world to me, right? But I, I didn't realize, like, I really, I, those of you that have strict parents, did you ever ask yourself that question, why are they so? strict. Has anyone ever asked that? Yeah? Fuchsia sheer? Okay, hand back. I was looking for your hand because I know, yeah. And so, so I asked myself that question. Christian's even raising his hand right there. Okay. I asked myself that question. Why? Why are they so strict? Why? I just didn't understand in the moment. I mean, I had everything that I could ever want or need. I had a, a great, great parents, mom and dad. I had a parents that provided and provided food and loved me and loved the Lord. I had all these things in front of me, but because I didn't get to do everything that I thought I wanted to do, I didn't like it. And I look back at that and I say, now that I'm an adult and I'm a parent myself, I start saying things like, I completely understand why mom and dad did what they did. Has anyone ever got to that point? Yeah? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I completely, and maybe the younger ones aren't there yet. You won't understand it. Your mind just can't get it there yet. But once you, yeah, once you get to a place, it's going to come back and you're going to be like, what in the world? I get it now. But, but, but I, I saw that a lot of the, the, the friends, my friends that got to go and do whatever they wanted to do ended up getting into stuff like drugs and alcohol, started doing stuff that we definitely don't want to be a part of and we definitely don't want to do because they were doing, they were hanging out with some folks that were doing that kind of stuff. I saw the, the folks starting to go this direction and that direction and I looked at their lives and I thought, man, my mom and dad was trying to spare me from experiencing some of these things and they were guiding me in the Lord. Instead, even though I was kicking and screaming and packing my bags and ready to head out. And so I look back at it and I'm like, even though everything was exactly what any boy could want it to be, because it wasn't what I wanted, I wasn't satisfied in it. And when I, when I look at Jehovah, when I look at God, I, I, I think it to be the same way. Jesus and the Father and God's plan is perfect exactly like any of us could ever want it to be. But how many of us oftentimes remain in this place of just not being satisfied? Of, of, of running and seeking satisfaction in so many different things when the, the word of God, the Father, says, listen, I, I have given you and I have provided for you all that you will ever need. Blessed are those, he said, who hungers and thirsts for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are those who desire Jesus and to be right in God's eyes. I have given you all that you could want. But don't we sometimes act like I did when I was a child? And even though everything has been taken care of for all eternity, we still act like we're not satisfied. And we look, if we, if we take a minute just to pause and look at the landscape and look at what God has done, it is incredible what Jehovah, what the Almighty God has done for you and I, the, the, the sacrifices that he has given his own son so that you and I could be saved but yet we still find places to complain. 
We still find places to be dissatisfied and to, to search out other things that can bring true satisfaction into our life. Well, this morning, I want us to take a glimpse and spend some time just looking at this great God that we serve. And we're actually, I'm going to preach over the, a passage where Jesus celebrated the Lord's Supper with his disciples. So if you'll go to Matthew 26, uh, we're going to read there and we're going to go back and forth. So hold on to your your Bible, and we're going to go back to Exodus, and we're going to be in Matthew, we're going to be in Luke and John, and and so we're just kind of going to be all over the place, but the main passage we find is going to be Matthew 26. Matthew 26, and we'll pick up uh, verse number 21, so, uh, or verse number 17, excuse me, so if we could, if you're able and you can stand in honor of the reading of God's word, please stand with me this morning, and we will read in Matthew 26, starting at verse number 17. This is going to be a familiar passage to you more than likely, but it says this in verse number 17, now the first day of the feast of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying unto him, where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover. And he said, go into the city to such a man and say unto him, the master saith, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at thy house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had appointed them and they made ready the Passover. Now, when the even was come, he sat down with the 12. And as they did eat, he said, verily I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, he that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The Son of Man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? He said unto him, Thou hast said. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it, and brake it, and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Then saith Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto you that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. Uh, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we just come to you today. And Lord, we just ask you to, to help us to see you. Father, so many times we, we can get so busy studying your word, but actually not really pay attention to who you are in your word. And so, Lord, I just pray today that in, in light of uh, us remembering what it cost our Savior today, that we won't miss the greatness of who you are. Lord, and, and so I just ask you to guide every part of this, Father. We don't lean on our own strength or understanding or ability to even share it, Father. We trust in your spirit and in your wisdom and in your guidance. And so, Father, I just lift this time to you and pray you would be glorified through it. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you all can be seated. Thank you. All right, so, uh, you know, one of the amazing things that God's been doing as we've been studying the Holy Spirit on Sunday nights is I'm starting to realize something, uh, and, it, and it's kind of a humbling thing to realize, but that is that we really rely on God for everything. We know that, right? We would, we would verbally affirm that reality, but sometimes I don't take time to really process what that means. Uh, so so the, the reality behind all that we do, even breath that we have, we rely on God for it all, right? Like, like I can't even, I can't share a message. I can't understand scripture. I don't even know how I pray. I need to pray like I should. Like we need God's wisdom and guidance for it all. Like there is nothing as you start reading the scripture and especially in the book of Acts and digging into the church, you start realizing that every single part of our lives, we need to rely and lean on the everlasting arms of the father. 
every single part. Like there is nothing in my life that I can say, you know what? I've got this down pat because if the very basis of me maintaining life requires me to rely on God, which is breath, then I have to say that every single component of my life, I need to rely on him. So often we don't realize and we don't come to terms with that and we try to control components of our life instead of giving those components over to the one that has ultimate control. And I'm going to use a word for God tonight, which you all are probably familiar with, and it is omniscient. We know what omniscient means, right? What's omniscient mean? All-knowing. All I heard... I heard some, somebody said that. I don't remember. Everywhere, all-knowing. He is an omniscient God, right? And so, so it's so important for us to understand that. And we're going to see that because we read this passage out of Matthew 26. And maybe with the kids in here today, maybe the question is, why do we celebrate this Lord's Supper? You know, why do we do it as often as we do, partaking of these elements? You know, what's the big deal about it all? And so I'm glad that all the kids asked that question because I want to share it with you today, what the big deal about it all is. But it's starts way back in the book of Exodus, right? Because when they're gathering together, they're gathering together to celebrate what in Matthew 26? The Passover. Okay, so where do we find information on the Passover? Exodus, there we go. So Exodus, if we go back to Exodus, let's look at the Passover and where this all, what they were celebrating, what was all going on, and what you're going to find is it's an amazing part of God's perfect plan. But I want to go first to Exodus chapter 6 and verse number 1 and pick up there so that we can just kind of be reminded of what the situation and the context is. In Exodus 6 it says this, Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh for with a strong hand shall he let them go and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of this land and God spake unto Moses and said unto him I am the Lord and I disappear and I appeared unto Abraham and Isaac and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty but by my name Jehovah was I not known to them and I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan the land of their pilgrimage where and they were strangers. And so we know, and you all can kind of help me here, we know what God is doing in his people Israel. What is he getting ready to do? Real loud. He's going to set them free. Some of the rest of them, that's the one that stuck out. He's going to set them free, right? So the people in the Israelites had been in bondage and slavery in Egypt. And they were crying out to the Lord to deliver them from bondage and slavery. But what they were crying out for, they didn't really know all that they needed. They just wanted to be free from the slavery. And so they, God heard their cry. He saw their oppression. And he was going to send his servant Moses and Aaron to go and to set his people free. And he was going to do that through uh, signs and wonders, through the plagues and the different things that we know go on in the book of Exodus. He was going to set them free. And the last one was going to be the death of the firstborn son, right? The death of the firstborn child, where, where he gave specific instruction to the Israelites to do something so that the death angel would not, would pass them by. But, but here's the amazing thing about God. The one that we celebrate is that even even though Israel just cried out to be free, God wasn't just going to stop by giving them freedom. God said, not only am I going to give you freedom, but I've got a land that I have prepared for you as well. Not only am I going to give you freedom, but I'm going to give you victory over armies in the way. Not only am I going to give you freedom, but I'm going to provide food and water in the wilderness. Not only am I going to give you freedom, but I'm going to show up for you in mighty ways. I'm going to reveal myself as Jehovah, as the almighty God in mighty ways. I am going to show up for you, Israel. You see, they cried out for the physical need in the moment. But God said, I see more than your physical need in the moment because I'm omniscient. I see even more of what you need than what you even realize. Do you see that? And so he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set you free. And they were in slavery and in bondage. But here, here's how it's going to happen. If we go to chapter 12 of Exodus, this is what, 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 he, what the instructions that he gives to the Israelites. In verse number five, it says this, your lamb shall be without blemish. 
A male of the first year, ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and ye shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire his head with his legs and with the, the, the Puritans uh, thereof. And you shall let nothing of it remain until the morning and that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire." And thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. So let me ask you this. What did Israel do to deserve to be spared in such a miraculous way. They did nothing. There was nothing. You know, so many times we, we carry around this belief that we've got to be something before God can really change us and use us. But what I want you to see, what God's word wants you to see is they did nothing. There wasn't anything about them that said, oh, they're super obedient. As a matter of fact, that was not them at all. And don't think for a moment that God didn't know the complainers that they were going to be in the wilderness. God already knew that. God knew that they would be wandering for 40 additional years because they wouldn't go into the promised land. God knew even at the beginning, they began not listening to the voice of Moses. God understood all that about this people that he was going to spare by his mighty hand. And yet... He still did it. And you look at that and you say, why? I mean, because as hey, it's easy for us in this moment to look back because hindsight's twenty twenty, And so we can read back and we can be like, oh, Israel, why are you complaining? Why are you not satisfied? Don't you see the greatness of what God is doing? But in that moment, they missed it time and time again. But in our lives as well, in the moment, don't we often miss it time and time again? Just like growing up with godly parents that loved you and you didn't even realize it until you're already out of their house looking back. How often do we miss it time and time again? They did nothing to deserve it, but yet God, and then there was the lamb. It seems like hundreds of years, thousands of years in the future that the lamb is gonna be important again, doesn't it? You know, it's interesting when I started looking at that lamb because was it enough for them to just know facts about the lamb? Or did they have to partake of the lamb? Did they have to, I mean, it wasn't enough for them to look out there and be able to spout off a bunch of facts about that lamb. It wasn't enough for them to look out there and just see it and recognize it for the lamb. It wasn't enough. They had to, they were to consume the lamb. They were to use the blood on their doorposts. That was the way they had to partake of the lamb. It wasn't enough for them to just see it and know it was there. They had to, they had to partake of it. You see, if they didn't, the blood was what was on the doorpost that signified that that death angel wasn't going, to, uh, wasn't going to come in and take their firstborn like it was the Egyptians. So I looked at the lamb and I was like, okay, the lamb has got to be unblemished. It has to be the first, it has to be perfect and it has to be, they have to partake of it. And so often we are so guilty of knowing Parts about our great lamb, Jesus, the savior of the world, but not actually partaking of it, uh, but not actually partaking of him. Does that make sense? You know, we live in such a church culture uh, that, that we, we water it down so often, I think, to say that it's enough if the pastor asks me questions about the lamb that I can give him information about the lamb, but that doesn't mean you've actually partook of the lamb. That doesn't mean that you actually know the lamb just because you have facts. The lamb, it wasn't one of those things that they just looked at it. They had to apply it, apply the blood to their doorposts. They had to consume it. There was a a part of them partaking of the lamb. So they gathered together in Matthew 26 to eat the Passover. 
And even though, as we look at that, as we look back in Exodus, even though we realize that they did not deserve it, even though we realize that they didn't deserve the freedom that was to come, even though they didn't deserve to be spared, God in his omniscience, the great Jehovah, was going to bring them freedom. And not just freedom for the moment. He had a whole land that he prepared for them. But as, I, as you look at the Passover and you come back to Matthew 26 and we think about the elements that we're going to take today. And, and I want to spend some time here because as we go into the New Testament, what we find is that the ultimate lamb has come. Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And so as they prepare the Passover, what you have to understand about this passage is that, that everything is not exactly perfect when Jesus is getting ready to offer himself as the lamb on our behalf. You see, there, there, there is a lot of stuff that's going on in this passage that if you only read that passage, you miss out on all the dissension that's floating around him. So, so in verse number 21, we see in Matthew 26 that in this moment, there is one that Jesus is calling out that's going to betray him, doesn't he? He says, and, and as they did eat, he said, verily I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, he that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The son of man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto that man by by whom the Son of Man is betrayed, it had been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? He said unto him, Thou hast said. But not only is there a betrayer there, but if we flip over and go down to verse 31, there's also a denier in the midst, right? Then saith Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall scattered be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee, Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crow thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. So not only was there a betrayer, but there was a denier. And in Luke's gospel, in Luke chapter 22, we also see that there is some argument going on at the same time about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And that's in, that's in Luke chapter 22, verse number 24. So when we look at this, this institution of the Lord's Supper, this final time that he's going to eat with them, what we have to understand is even as he's getting ready to celebrate this, there are are deniers in the midst. There are betrayers in the midst. There are arguments. Who's going to be the greatest? There's all these other things going on. And then there's the lamb. And the lamb is perfect. He, he is the, the sacrifice. He is the offering that everyone in that room needed. In John's gospel, it says that it was at this gathering that seems to indicate that he was washing their feet as well. He was washing the feet of Judas, washing the feet of Peter, washing the feet of those that were, but would scatter, would not be there. He was, he was loving them still. And, and one of the things that we see about this, this time is we see just this love of Jesus just poured out, this grace of the lamb poured out just like we see in the Passover whenever it all was kind of began and then looking to the lamb we see at the Passover where the, these Israelites are unappreciative, argumentative grumblers over and over again for 40 years they were grumblers but we look at it and we say look at Jehovah though Look at, look at the love. Look at the grace. Look at the mercy that he, he was going to free them and not just free them, but he was going to provide a land for them to be. He was going to take care of everything in between. And it's easy for us to look back at that and say, how did they miss it? But church, I want to tell you today that we can start by looking right where we are and saying, how can we miss it? Why do we miss it? Because in, in our lives, here's the thing, is that as much as we said the people of Israel didn't deserve to be freed, we say the same thing about ourselves today, right? 
We don't deserve to be freed. But, but the situation is the same because we are in slavery and bondage and don't even realize what we really need. Sometimes we live our whole lives in a state of being enslaved to sin and to bondage and we disguise it with all kinds of words like we're a good person and we give a good effort and our intention is good and we use all these descriptive words to try to make ourselves feel better and all the while God says, but I saw you in slavery and I provided a lamb. Why are you trying to do it on your own? Cast yourself at the feet of the lamb because that's the way that you find true freedom from slavery. And he says, if it wasn't enough for you to see it today, I've been trying to show you this all throughout time because I'm an omniscient God. This plan of God didn't start in Matthew 26. This plan of God starting at the beginning of time, didn't it? He always had this, this, this place in his heart for mankind. He, he had this love and this grace and this mercy that has followed us all throughout time. And what have we done consistently? We have grumbled, we have complained, and we have desperately tried to do our own things instead of just fall at the feet of the Savior. Have we not? It's not really changed, has it? I mean, from the Passover and Exodus to this place now, even as they have walked with the Son of God all these years uh, that they have, they have been trained, they have seen the miracles, even in that moment when he's celebrating, he's, he, they didn't even understand really to the fullest what was going on. And he's trying to have this moment with them and the betrayer's there, the deniers there, there's who's gonna be the greatest there. You have all this stuff going on in some of the last moments of the Lamb. But the one thing that's consistent is the Lamb. He's always the same. I mean, if you think about it, ever, ever, since, the, ever since the Old Testament, isn't God always the same? I mean, to, to, to love us and to show such grace and mercy and sacrifice as he does for us. You know, I looked at this and I thought, man, you know, how, how does Jesus keep his cool? Because he knows what everybody's thinking. He calls out the betrayer. He calls out the denier. He knows it's all coming. But all you see from Jesus is love. All you see is grace and mercy. All you see is the compassion of the Savior. Even though there is all this stuff and all this junk, Jesus is the same. Beautiful. He's beautiful. Every word he speaks, everything he does, everything is beautiful. How do you sit there, Jesus, and know the truth and see what's going to come and see the scattering? How do you sit there and still know that you are going to lay your life for them? How do you love them so unconditionally? But you see, that's the Savior that we serve. There's no condition on his love for you. He doesn't say to you like he didn't say to the Israelites, like he didn't say to the apostles, that you have to be right before you can come to him. He says, just come to me because you won't be right until you do. And so in the middle of all of this, I just see Jesus and if you've ever seen like a scene where there's like people in a room and there's chaos and fighting all around and there's that one person sitting in the midst of it all and unfazed by it all, just in calm, tranquility, and in peace, that's what I picture of Jesus here. He just loves, he knows the mission, and he's going to see it through all the way to the end. He is the, the lamb. He's the, he's the perfect lamb of God. You see, God is a God that frees slaves, isn't he? He frees us. He doesn't just say, I'm going to get you away for a little bit. He doesn't just say, I'm going to give you a little bit of relief. He says, I'm not only going to free you, but just like the, the Old Testament Israelites and they prepared a place, he said, I've got a place. Listen, believer, today he's done the same thing. He says, I want to free you from your bondage and your slavery to sin, and I've got a place that I want you to be and dwell with me for all eternity. He is a rescuing 
Jehovah. So you see that even though all that is going on, Jesus is there, and in this moment, as everything is there, all the denier, he's loving the denier, he's loving the betrayer, he's loving those that are arguing, he's being the amazing savior, he says this in verse number 26 of Matthew 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it, and break it and gave it to the disciples and said, take eat, this is my body. And, and, he, and he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink ye all of it for this is my blood of the New Testament which is shed for many for the remissions of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And so we, we look at that and we say, well, what, what is Jesus really saying here? That we have to eat of his flesh, you know, this is my flesh, this is my blood. And we, we're reminded of that Passover celebration, right? When we go back and you had to partake of the body of the lamb, you had to use the blood of the lamb. And you see that God has been setting this, this all along, that he had a great plan for the world to be free way back when it was all instituted in the Old Testament. He always had our best interest in mind. He always did. Just like my parents had my best interest in mind when I was, was so disheartened by the strict way that they handled things and I did not realize it until later. But even more so than that, he's always had our best interest in mind. But what is he really asking us to do? You know, you go to John chapter six and you see this. Jesus says this in John chapter six, verse number 53. You know, he presents a very challenging message when he talks about his body and his blood. And in the Passover, they consumed it and they used the blood on the doorposts. What are we really supposed to do with this Savior? What is he really asking us to do as followers of his? Because in John chapter six, verse number, uh, we'll start actually in verse number 52. It says this, the Jews therefore strove among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day for my flesh is meat indeed and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwell in me and I in him. And the, and the living Father has sent me and I live by the Father. So he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread that came down from heaven. And as your fathers did eat manna and are dead, he that eateth of this bread shall live forever. All right. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. We celebrate the Lord's Supper and we identify his, his flesh and his blood and we celebrate what was, was shed for us and the price that was paid for us. How in the world do you and I consume his flesh and blood? What in the world is Jesus talking about here? Have you ever thought about it? Eat my flesh and drink my blood. Let me tell you, in, in, uh, in the military, um, they, they did this uh, thing in basic training that I've talked about often. Their whole goal was to make you into what they wanted you to be, right? And so before they could do that, they had to break you down from what you were in your civilian life and rebuild you into what they wanted you to be. So, you know, it was amazing. I, I, I came back, uh, some of my friends would go to the military and they would come back and they would look so different. You know, they would talk different. Their shoulders were upright and straight. They would tell time different. They would use the military time. They would use vocabulary different. There was a whole different sometimes way of respect and speech and, and everything about their life that carried themselves different. And it was so incredible and to, to watch that transition happen. But, but what it was, was they were taking a civilian and they were making them a soldier. And so a soldier doesn't look like a civilian. It's different, right? You're, you're, you're going, you're moving from a place where you're, you're living for yourself and you're doing your own thing to being under uh, control and, and being in service to the government, to the military. 
And so what they do is they strip everything away about who you are and they try to rebuild you as a soldier because that is your new job. And once you sign on that line, the reality is is that you don't call the shots really for your life anymore. You don't decide where you go or when you go. Oftentimes they decide everything for you as a soldier because now you're not a civilian anymore, you're a soldier. But you have, to, you have to completely be in that. You have to literally turn your rights over. And signing on that line, that's what you're doing. When I hear Jesus say, eat my flesh and drink my blood, what I hear him say is, he wants all of us. We, we have to be consumed in him. So Paul says that I've died, nevertheless I live, but not I, but Christ liveth in me, right? And so the reality is, is in the same process, if you can think about it, when we give our life to Jesus, we are literally stripping our selfishness away, and we are going to the feet of the Lamb, and we are laying it all down and saying, we are not our own anymore, we want to be all yours, take every part of us, and we want you to be seen in us. It's not us calling the shots, it's not us living the life it's you living in us and so every single component of our life is a is a component that is consumed and caught up in the lamb but here here is the problem and it was the problem even in that military experience every part that we want to hold back is a problem every single piece is a problem area. It doesn't matter how big or small you deem it. Every part that you say, Jesus, I'm laying this down, but I want to hold on to this. Jesus, I'll partake of you here, but I still want to do my thing over here. Every single place where you and I say, I am, I am laying it down, but I'm picking that part up before I leave your feet, Lamb, of God, I'm going to keep this with me because I'm afraid at what it will look like if I lay that part down. And you and I so often allow fear to prevent us from completely being found only in the Lamb. And we don't even realize it. Just like a lot of times we live and we don't realize that we're a slave to sin and bondage without the blood of the Lamb. And so we, we live life and we don't realize that we are afraid to lay it down. And so we pick it up time and time again. And some of you out there today are carrying a part of yourself with you instead of surrendering it to the Lamb. Some of you are, are, are at a place where you see what you need to do. I believe that because I believe there's been many moments in my life where I've, I've had to come face to face with that same reality. You're at a place where you can identify that there is something you haven't laid down, that there is something that you're still holding on to. And, and, and I want you to hear this. There is nothing that you've done to be deserving of the blood of the lamb, but nonetheless, the lamb has been sacrificed on your behalf and he's been sacrificed so you won't have to carry around that stuff anymore he's been sacrificed to pay the price for all the stuff that's too burdensome for us to carry and to hold he's given all not so that that we struggle and we suffer but so that we can cast ourselves completely at the feet of the lamb and find redemption and life and life forevermore he has not given his life as the lamb. God did not say to those Israelites, if you put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, hopefully the death angel will not visit you. He said it will not. Jesus didn't say, I'm going to die for you so that most of your bondage and slavery can be taken care of. He said, I've, I've paid for it all. But what we see is that the problem is never with God, it's always with us. 
God has always done and loved and been gracious and merciful more than what we could ever imagine. The great Jehovah has always been so incredible. He knew what his plans and purposes was. He knew his great plan for our life, but the, the, the problem is us. And so in this moment, even Peter was struggling, understanding, what do I need to do? And he didn't understand what Jesus was coming for in the fullest. But I want to say to you this morning, as we, as we think about the Lord's Supper, when Jesus says, eat my flesh and drink my blood, I think we just have to be found completely in him. That every part, every arm, every leg, every, every part of your body is a part that is his. You see, I, I truly believe that we so often lose sight of what the concept of surrender really means. You know, Jesus, they never, God never does anything halfway. He always does it all the way, right? He's always all in. He's always 100%. Jesus didn't come to only give part. He came to give all. But I tell you, it's a scary thing it can be a scary thing to lay down your life all and say, God, I am yours completely. Do what you want with me. Because we know in the back of our mind that the do what you want with me may very likely be something we don't want done. But you see, even if that's your battle, self still remains. So the challenge as we think about the Lord's Supper, as we think about the price, is to partake of all of the Son of God. The challenge is for us to give our entire life to him, every bit, every part, every place, to surrender it all, to lay it down. Don't drag it with you. You don't need to do that. The price has been paid. The lamb's blood has been shed. You and I can have freedom, can have victory, but there is no freedom and victory in you being a good person. There is no freedom and victory in you knowing the right answer. There is no freedom and victory to you checking the boxes and coming to church uh, so many times a year, freedom and victory only comes when you partake of the Lamb. All of the Lamb. And when He truly has all of you. We can't pass it off as saying, well, we'll give you a piece. Our Savior deserves all. So as we have a time of invitation this morning, before we, we celebrate the Lord's Supper, I want to challenge you with this, as I have been challenged with it as well. I don't know where you are, but I know that we live in a culture and a society that seems to be very good, just like all history, mankind has been good at giving God what we want to give, but not giving God our all. And so I think the challenge today is, will you lay all of yourself down to him? Will you lay every component, every compartment, every place and say, Jesus, I am yours. Do what you will with me and with my life for your glory. Will we do that today? And know, just as we started today, that even though we don't always understand, we know that God has our best interests at heart. So if even, even though it may be hard and even though it may be challenging, we can lean into the precious love of an awesome Jehovah and we can trust in his plan and his purpose for our life. We go all the way through the scripture and we see that he loves us and he cares for us and his plan is perfect. He frees us from slavery and sin, but we have to understand that freedom comes when we do it his way. It doesn't come from us making our loopholes. It doesn't come from us saying, well, I'll try to do this here, but I'll still hold this over here. It comes from us truly surrendering to the awesome Savior and the Lamb of God. So let's stand together, heads bowed and eyes closed. Let me pray for us and I'll just ask the Lord to do what only he can do this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we just come to you today. And Father, I'm just so grateful for the picture of your plan. Lord, I know myself, I get so bombarded with trying to learn things and, and study the word that sometimes I just don't take time to see you in your word. 
Father, if we take just a minute, just this morning as we are just consuming and digesting your word, to just look at the greatness of who you are. Lord, as we are privileged, those of us that know Jesus this morning, to be saved, to be redeemed, to be freed from slavery, we know that we've done nothing to deserve it. Lord, I still am just in awe of the greatness of who you are, the love and the grace and the mercy that, that overflows, that is so great that it's, it's hard to even understand. And Lord, as we just gaze upon the greatness of who you are, it sure seems like, Lord, that us giving you just part is just not worthy because of who you are. And Lord Jesus, you, you were setting a precedence in this passage of what it really meant to give everything. The Son of God coming to this earth to free slaves to sin. To pay a price for us so that we could be forgiven. And Lord, when, I, when we look at you, when I look at you in comparison to my level of surrender, sacrifice, or commitment, I just realize I have a lot further to go. I just, we just worship you today. We just praise you because even though we didn't deserve it, Our price has been paid in full because of the precious lamb. Lord, I just pray in this time of invitation that your spirit would move and work as only you can. And Lord, that we would all just take this time to gaze upon you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.